Yeah, let's sing it out tonight. Joy to the world. Joy to the world. The Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let seeking Jesus, but then we can see King Jesus. And I pray that um, in this time as we see the goodness of God and we recognize who he is, who our Savior is, why he came. How many know that's what Christmas is about? And we're, we're recognizing um, a lot of people don't understand that we're, they're missing what the, the true point of this season is. But I just have nine numbers tonight to go through. And um, these are kind of goofy dad jokes, but guess what? This is what I got, and this is what we're here for. Isn't that sweet? All those girls going around getting everybody hugs. Oh, my gosh, that's great. You guys are doing good. So how many know that uh, this is the time, and we want to start tonight when we look in the book of Luke, and I want to talk momentarily about the shepherds, when the shepherds experienced the truth of the good news. And when they saw and heard the good news, there was, there was a response that they had that um, I want to talk about tonight. And the first number I want you to, that you see on your bulletin, if you guys have a bulletin tonight, it's um, 789. And if you've ever heard the joke, why is six afraid? Because 789. But I want to tie that into... What happens in the fear that people have about receiving the good news? And these shepherds that were out in the field that night, they had the opportunity to receive good news. But they, they, they responded initially with fear. And it says this in Luke chapter 2, verse 8. 
And it says, in that same region where there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over the flock, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. So some people, when they hear the good news, they respond with fear. And why do they respond with fear? And what I, mean, I think oftentimes we'll find in the Bible that, that the message has always been fear not. How many know there's a lot of fear and there's a lot of anxiety out there in our society now? But you and I have a message we can give. And the Christmas message is fear not. The angel of the Lord in verse 9 says, And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. They experienced the glory of God, but it initially brought fear to them. How many here have felt God's glory before? If you felt, like literally felt his presence, and I want to encourage you that when you come to church, you should experience and actually feel his glory. Uh, it's, it's the Hebrew word kabod, which means his weight. Like, have you ever felt, some people may not know that, but they're feeling something. I feel like the Lord is there. That's his glory. But for some people, it's scary. I always remember my wife's brother, Wayne, one of the first times he went to a charismatic church. And they were saying, fire, fall down on us. And he's like, should I sing that or not? <laughs> I'm not sure. It sounds a little scary. But I always feel like when we get in the presence of God, he's so big, but he's also so good. And we should not be afraid. It's good news of great joy. That's what this message was. When the angels heard, the, shep the angels spoke, don't be afraid. The shepherds were told, this is good news of great joy. But I want you to think about this. The Lord didn't send a bomb. He sent a baby to start a kingdom. You think about World War II. When we, wanted to, when we landed on D-Day to take back what the enemy had stolen, what the enemy was doing wrong in the world. We had dropped bombs, but when God wants to extend his kingdoms, he drops a baby. And I think there's something beautiful in that. It shows that he's, he's a humble God. He's inviting us in to relationship. I've been on a song this week, and it's a song that's called The Son of Suffering. And one of the lyrics says, Oh, the perfect son of God in all his innocence. Here, walking in the dirt with you and me. How many know Jesus came to walk in the dirt with you and me? He knows what living is. He acquitted. He's acquainted with our grief. A man of sorrows, the son of suffering. So when Jesus came to this planet, he came to share in our sufferings, to join us. I always think God could have created a way for all of us to be forgiven. He could have got your cell phone number. Could have called you and said, hey, God, I want to forgive your sins right now. And, and he could have forgiven our sins just like that. But instead, he chose to send the most precious gift that he had, which was his only son. So not just that we would be forgiven, but then we would long to follow him. We would long to follow this God who would send his only son for us. Now, I don't know about you, but some of us are more in the things, like I'm a thing person. My wife's more of a people person. It's not very good sometimes as a pastor. You know, my church would be huge, huge if it wasn't for all these people. Um, it's a joke. 
But you understand, when I walk into a room, I'm always looking for the chairs that are out of order, something that needs to be clean, something that just is out of place, pictures crooked, because I'm a thing person. Anybody else a thing person in here? That's the first thing you notice. But if my wife walks in the room, the first thing she would notice is somebody's emotional well-being, and that's much more important than the thing stuff. Not that we shouldn't focus on things at all. So... I was thinking about this, and he said, you know, God is not just a thing person. He's a people person. How many know we had an issue with our sin? That was a thing that needed to be taken care of. He could have just forgiven us, but instead he chose to create a universe where he himself would send his own son. So when we saw the love that he gave us, it would cause us not just to be forgiven of sin, but just to say to ourselves, I want to follow this God who would do that for me. Am I making sense tonight at all? And that's something that when we look to Jesus coming to walk with us, remember, I love what Charles Spurgeon said. He said, for this child is not born to you unless you are born to this child. And this is a picture of when everyone's not born a child of God. The Bible says to all who receive him, speaking of Jesus, he gives the right for you to become a son of God. It's not a natural right. You're not born with this right to become a child of God. You must receive Jesus Christ as your Lord. That's why Charles Spurgeon so beautifully says, for this child's not born to you unless you are born to this child. The Bible says you have to be born again to enter the kingdom of God. When you're born again, that means that you won't have to face a spiritual death. If you're born once, you die. You'll, if you're only born once, you'll die twice. But if you are born twice, if you're born in the, in the womb, but also born again, the Bible says that you won't have to face the second death. Praise God for that. So it's good news that we are invited into to follow Jesus. And number two... The second number I want to give you is the number 710. And this is a, this is a story about uh, an elderly woman who walks into uh, a, uh, a car place and she says, there's a cap on my, on my um, engine that's cracked and I need it replaced. And the, and the, and the guy behind the counter says, well, um, what kind of cap is it? And she says, it's the 710 cap. I need a 710 cap. I don't know if you've ever been into an automotive place and you said to yourself, you know, I don't know what I'm talking about, but the guy behind the counter is like, what's a 710 cap? There's no such thing as a 710 cap. And she goes, come on out to my car, I'll show you. So she takes him out to the car and she says, right there, it's a 710 cap. You can put a picture of the gas cap up there, I think. Um, turn it upside down. So, you know, she's convinced it's a 710 cap. You know, I need this 710 cap. When it's an oil cap, we all know that, but what's, what's the picture that we have here is sometimes the world's upside down and we don't realize it. Sometimes our paradigms are wrong and we have to change our paradigm, and that's what Christmas does to us. It, it causes us to, to look at God in a different way, that God didn't have to forgive us, and he didn't have to forgive us by going through such pain of sending his own son to this world and to watch him die. He didn't have to do that if he is the creator and he can do all things. But he chose to do that. Why? Because he wanted us to, with our whole heart, follow him. And realize that's a good God 
who would do that for me to send his only son. But we face pride. All of us face pride. And there, there are things that we run into that's, that, we, that sometimes stretch us. If any of you have come to follow Christ, you know that when you follow Christ, it's a, it's a process of breaking and stretching. And sometimes he challenges us to do things that aren't in our own capabilities. And we have to humble ourselves according to God's word and receive what his word says. Jesus told this parable, he said in Matthew 9, 17, neither is new wine put into old wineskins. If it is, the skins burst and the wine is spilled and the skins are destroyed, but the new wine is put into fresh wineskins so that both are preserved. Now, if you ever see a picture of an ancient wineskin, does anybody know what those, the wineskins are made of? Animal stomachs. Now, how many would like to go get your gallon of milk or your Coca-Cola in, in, in a stomach? I think I have a picture of that. Does that look pretty appetizing? And so remember what, what Jesus is saying is that he's going to do something new. And in the ancient times, if you had an old wineskin and you poured it, it would be all dried and cracked. And you poured new wine into this old wineskin as it fermented and began to become and grow and expand, what would happen to the old wineskin? It would burst. You'd lose the wine. It would be a mess. And how many know this is what happens a lot of times in, in moves of God or in our own lives? God's trying to do a new thing, but we're in our old wineskin. He's trying to put new wine into us, but instead of us expanding and going, yes, God, what you want, we, we explode and we lose what he's trying to give us because we're prideful. We, we like to do it our way. We're used to the way it was. Come on, am I preaching to anybody tonight? This is what happens. And there was something new that God was doing in this moment that for the shepherds, it was something new. Now, many people believe that the shepherds were out in the field in this day and they were in this place called Bethlehem. Bethlehem means um, house of bread. And this is where they were watching the sheep that, that one day would be sacrificed in the temple. And so they had a very holy purpose. They had to guard these sheep and protect these sheep. And probably they were out in the field this night because many of the sheep were giving birth. And they had to watch these lambs because... From the ancient of times, the Jewish people, they had a sacrificial system that required them on, on this day of a special day of Passover to actually sacrifice thousands and thousands of lambs. But these lambs had to be cared for. These lambs had to be without blemish or spot. So these shepherds had a very important job that they had to do to watch these lambs. And guess where Jesus is born? He's born in this town where they are preparing the lambs that one day would be sacrificed on Passover. Passover is the first Jewish festival of the year. And we'll find that Jesus is exactly crucified on the day of that Jewish feast of Passover. He was a, the Lamb of God. When John the Baptist saw him, he said, behold, the Lamb of God. When you read through the entire Bible, the very end of the Bible talks about Jesus taking on the title of lamb throughout eternity. He is the throne of God and the lamb. 
So the, the angels say to these uh, shepherds, they say, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. That's the message they were given. And it says in verse 12, And this will be a sign for you, and you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling, swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Um, or you could say lying in a feeding trough. But this would be a sign now, I struggled a little bit with that verse because why is this a sign? Why is this such a big deal? And one of the things that uh, it says in the Passion Translation, Brian Simmons, he says, and this is what he says, that the, the lamb, he believes that Mary actually gave birth in a watchtower, which is where they had a special spot whenever the Passover lambs, the baby lambs were being born. And it's, he says this, he says, it was at the lowest floor of the watchtower and the birthing of the Passover lambs, that the birthing of the Passover lambs would take place. Selected ewes would, that were about to give birth would be brought there. And after the birth of the lambs, the priestly shepherds would wrap the lambs in cloth and lay them in a manger lined with soft hay to prevent them from hurting themselves for Passover lambs must be unblemished with no bruise or broken bone. And remember, those Passover lambs had to be born perfectly. So my thought, like, why was this a sign? Because my thought is, is that when the shepherds came, they found Mary, and after the angel told them, they found Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus in the, that exact spot where the Passover lambs were to be born. And this was significant for them because this is the only place that they would allow the Passover lambs to be born. And for them, it must have been a sign. And again, this is, you know, Jesus fulfilled these prophetic um, callings and prophecies so clearly for the Jewish people to see back then. But for us, we can look back and say, that's amazing how his birth was prophesied and how he fulfilled it. So completely. Last but not least, my last three numbers is 211. Um, at 211, you still have just hot water, just so you know. And one of the issues that I find is that one degree that we're lacking oftentimes is what keeps us from crossing that threshold. Hot water cannot move a steam locomotive. But it's just one degree short. And when I, when I put this message together, I felt like the Lord really wanted to say that we can become real casual sometimes in our walk. And we don't see that, that shift in our environments around us, oftentimes because we're just one degree away from boiling over. And we often need to remind ourselves that what we've been given, we should not take casually. We should be seekers after the Lord and passionate seekers in that. And Jesus taught us that there's three different levels of, of prayer. He says this in Matthew 7, 8. He said, for everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and the one who knocks, the door will be open. And there's, there's three positions or places we can take. And tonight, I want to remind us that we need to seek and we'll find. How many remember the, the famous TV show, 
about 10 years ago called Lost, right? It was famous. Everybody was watching Lost. Well, in this season, the church has to begin to realize we're found. You know, there's great anxiety in our life today and in many people's lives because they're lost. How many ever lost something before? You feel anxiety. Oh, where is it? Or you're not, not sure. Like, where's, you know, we've done this a couple times where we've done this once or twice. But we take off and we realize, oh, my gosh, we only have four out of five kids. It's not a good plan. I think we've done that once. Did we do that once? Anyway, we're not confessing our sins tonight. Anyway. Someday we're like, oh, no, four out, you know, four out of five kids is still an 80, though, right? <laughs> Passing in most schools and colleges, no. You know, it's not. And so... You know, immediately like, oh, my gosh, what happened? And, and so there's anxiety. And I think most of the world today, because of their lack of knowledge of Christ, they're lost. And because they're lost, they're in this place of anxiety. You can take that for me. It's okay. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. You should have answered it and said, hey, I'm in church. I'm hearing a really good message. <laughs> <laughs> we, need to, we need to realize we've been found, okay? That we have a God who sought after us, not just to forgive us of our sins, but to do it in a way that would woo us and cause us to want to follow after him. Does anybody want to follow after Jesus? Has anybody been touched with, with the, the revelation of how good he is, how much love he has for us? That you say, I want to follow that man. Interestingly enough, that when we talk about the parables, there's three parables that are talked about. He talks about the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. But the astonishing part of all these parables is not that something was lost, but instead, someone decided to recover that which was lost. God himself decided you needed to be recovered. You needed to be found. And he created this plan to, just, to, to woo you back to him. And that's why I always like to change. Sometimes we talk about the parable of the lost sheep. It really is more of a parable about a shepherd who decided to leave his comfort and go after the one. So I think we should call it the parable of the persistent shepherd. We shouldn't call it the parable of the lost coin because we always lose stuff. But it's that one lady who seeks to clean and discover and, and order her things so that it can be found. The persistent cleaner, we should call that. And, of course, we call it the prodigal son. It should be called the parable of the, the, the loving father who welcomed his son home because we don't see that. like we, we, we see a lot of prodigals. But to see a father run to his son and forgive him. What I want to share tonight is... God sent his son Jesus to redeem us and to clean us and to purify us. Remember when that woman lost the coin? It says, what woman having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light the lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? I always remember one day Ephraim was, was cleaning our kitchen floor, and I was about to step on the floor he just cleaned, and he said, hey, get off my floor. 
And, you know, his dad, I said, Ephraim, that's not your floor. That's my floor. I own this house. And he goes, if I clean it, it's mine. That's Ephraim. And I thought, how prophetic is that? That's, that's what God did for you. He cleaned you. So you belong to him. You know, when you buy, a, like you get a new car, a, a used car, what's the first thing you do? You clean it. You get a new jacket, new fancy vest here. What's the first thing you do? You clean it. And then you wear it. And that's the first thing. You think about that as, as a believer. What's the first thing God did to you? He, he cleansed you. He said, God, forgive me of my sin. You're not meant to walk this world carrying this sin in your life, this, these impurities in your life. You're not meant to carry it, and you don't have to. <laughs> That's the beautiful thing. That's why Jesus came as the Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world. That's what he came to do. So when he cleansed you, it's the declaration of his ownership over you. And I want to remind you as well, when we allow God to purify us, just like the woman who, who was seeking after that coin, but she never found that coin until she first swept her house and looked for it diligently. And can I tell you, as we go into 2023, it's time we, we sweep our house. We clean our house. I may have some attitudes sometimes that need to be cleaned out of their house. Some sins and some relationships that, that just need to be cleansed. We need that so that we can discover that which was lost. There's going to be destinies discovered in 2023. You know why? Because we cleaned out our lives and we, we, we got the clutter out and then we discovered the coin. We discovered that which was important. How many have found that to be true? That when you clean your life out and when you go seek after those, when you're looking for some, what's my purpose? Begin with cleaning and order, ordering your life. I love what it says in verse 9, Luke, Luke 15, 9. And when she found it, she called together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I lost. We see in every one of these parables, the first thing we have to do is recognize something is missing. The lost coin, the lost sheep, the lost son. Then we need to respond with passionate seeking. Number three, then once we find it, we retrieve it back to its rightful owners. And the last thing in all these parables is they always celebrated once they found what was missing. So when anybody, you ever hear about somebody coming to Jesus, you should all do a happy dance. Woo! Hallelujah. We should always celebrate. Always celebrate when something that was lost is now found. In the book of John, 1 John 3, it says, And everyone who hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Your hope in God's redemption, in his forgiveness, it purifies you. It gives you that vision to continue on pressing in to what you have. Just like when he visited the shepherds. He brought them something that maybe challenged them, scared them at first. But then when they saw and they witnessed where this baby was born, maybe they knew prophetically that there was something that was, that was, that was connecting them to this Passover lamb. And, and maybe they understood more than maybe is written. But when, it, when the angel told them, this is Christ, the Savior of the world, there must have been great excitement in their hearts. And that excitement continues to this day 
in all of our hearts. In verse 13 in, chapter, in Luke, as we close, it says, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. As I close tonight, I want to play this, this song called The Song of the Son of Suffering. And as we watch the, the nativity story in the background playing, I want you to just take a few moments and we'll just carry this with you tonight. But I, I want to read the second verse from this. And it says about God, it says, Some imagined you are distant and removed, but you chased us down in a merciful merciful pursuit to the sinner you were grace and the broken you embraced and in the end the proof is in your wounds yes in the end the proof is in your wounds and tonight as we close I want to just invite you just to to watch this video clip and let's watch the Christmas story and let's remember that Jesus came to this planet to redeem us and to save us and to give us a new beginning. So let's go ahead and play that video clip and we'll shut these lights off. Oh, the perfect Son of God in all his innocence. Walking in the dark with you and me He knows what living is He's acquainted with our grief Man of sorrow, son of suffering Blood and tears How can it be? There's a God who weeps There's a God who bleeds Praise the one who would reach for me. There's a God who bleeds, oh praise the one. 
manager of Gateway Hunger Relief Center and uh, I've been about here about 14 years. This has been a blessing to me and my family to be able to serve. We need your support and the reason why we need your support is because our numbers are growing for one thing. The need is great here in Richmond. We're able to provide fresh produce and sometimes milk and just meats and everything like that and your donations really mean a lot to keep this program going. Uh, we also serve the seniors and we also make kiddo bags so every child gets a bag to take home that's got mac and cheese and drink and little snacks in there for them. And we just love being able to pass these things out and bless families. And if you love seeing, your, seeing families get blessed in Richmond, come donate to Gateway Hunger Relief Center. Shelby Jones. Hi, my name is JD Marker. Hi, my name is Jenny. I just love blessing the people and seeing all the smiling faces and smiling kids. I come love coming here. It gives me something to do every day. I like to give the people God in their hearts and I like to spread the word of God around to everybody. It's been a blessing. I've been here for 14 years and I hope to do it for another 14. I don't know what I would do without them really. I'd be home doing nothing. I just love being here and helping people. I like to give out food and help people. God bless everybody. itself has over 40,000 names of persons, places, and what I've done is I've taken the 3,250 different names in the Bible and I've placed their meaning right next to the actual proper name in the scriptures, and it's called the Name Translation Bible. We look forward to you going deeper into the Word of God through the Name Translation Bible. God bless.